lots of like before COVID, it was lots of airport lounges with a yeah. stiff drink. Yes crying because I'm like writing yeah. about like trauma. I can't tell you how many times I've cried sitting like in an airplane with people so close to me and I'm sure they're like, Who's this woman who's just losing oh, her mind? But that's me, man. I'm totally the airport the airplane crying girl. Whether it's like songwriting or writing or and I'm just like, listen y'all, I got kids at home. <laughs> There's no other this time is for my, me to do this. This is my private time. <laughs> this is my vacation. Just look the other way. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, it's too good. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. This month on the Find Your Voice podcast, I have a special treat for you. Along with my team here at Find Your Voice, I've put together a special series that's all about the power of a writing process to create positive change in your personal life. So we're covering topics like why writing can be so challenging for so many of us, what's happening in your brain when you sit down and you try to write, why writing is so therapeutic, what it costs us when some voices are silenced, and what a regular practice of writing might look like for you in your real life. We're going to meet guests like Deborah Ross, who's a therapist and an author of a book called Your Brain on Ink, a workbook on neuroplasticity and the journal ladder. We'll talk with Audrey Assad, who is a singer-songwriter, also a friend of mine. We'll talk with Elise Snipes, who's a therapist, and the infamous Science Mike, and my new friend Rafiq, who is a public health researcher. And we'll end with my friend Ruthie Lindsay, who's going to put all the pieces together for us when she talks about how she used a process of writing specifically to cure her own chronic pain. I'm so excited for you to hear that episode and her story. If you've ever had the impulse to write anything, even something as simple as a scratched note on a cocktail napkin, you're not going to want to miss this series that pairs beautifully with my new book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple daily habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. I hope these episodes make you feel like the writer you already are. Maybe by now you're convinced you want to write, but life gets in the way. You're busy, you're tired, you don't have that cabin in the woods that everyone talks about. How do all of these people actually get their writing done? What motivates them to keep writing? On today's episode of this special podcast series called The Power of Writing It Down, I'm really excited that we're going to answer these exact questions. You'll hear from all the familiar voices of this podcast series, from Audrey Assad, from Elise Snipes, from Deborah Ross, and from Rafiq Wabi, about what a daily writing practice means to them and what it practically looks like for them. You'll find that there's nothing all that special about it. Maybe you don't need a cabin in the woods after all. Maybe it's time to finally, finally get your writing done. Let's start by chatting with our journal therapy and neuroplasticity expert, Deborah Ross. How has writing changed your life personally? 
Oh, wow. Let's see. It's brought a lot of healing and the in the neuro world, well, specifically, you know, Dan Siegel in, in talking about interpersonal neurobiology talks about the river of integration as being a hallmark of mental health. Mm. And most of us kind of ping pong between the banks of chaos and rigidity. <laughs> yeah. So I've used my writing to, you know, in service of my healing and service of integration, you know, noticing um, there are these different domains of integration and no- noticing where I want to bring my attention in my writing. I've used it. There's a whole body of work in what's known as transitions writing. Leah Francisco is is really the expert in in that, and that's defined as you know changes what's happened. You know the who, what, where, when, and transition is the meaning that you make of it. It's the internal yeah. landscape. So I've done a lot of writing in service of the changes in my life and the meaning that I want to make of it. I've done a career change. Uh, you know, people say to me, oh, I heard you retired. And I say, no, I refired. And that comes out <laughs> of my writing. So yeah. you know, I'm, I'm teaching this material now, um, doing all sorts of interesting things with it. It's helped me explore, uh, you know, the changes in, in relationships in my life. I'm a grandmother at this point, mm. uh, you know, all those kinds of things. My grandkids, by the way, do have journals and they are, they're young. Oh, and, you know, physical kinds of things. If I've been presented with a challenging diagnosis, I will use my writing to explore treatment yeah. paths. You know, going back to the, the parts piece earlier, I had a bad fall on ice and broken elbow. And, uh, you know, I was finished with the, uh, the orthopedic guy. And after probably buying him a new boat from that escapade, <laughs> he, you know, he said, well, you probably have some arthritis and this that, and the other thing. And I think, yeah, I don't think so. And so I had a dialogue with my elbow. Um, so what do wow. you think? Yeah. And my elbow said, have you thought about acupuncture? Actually, I had not. And so, you know, I I went and, you know, did some research, did some homework, you know, did, you know, a full course of acupuncture. Um, And so it's for me, it's almost like, where am I not using it? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. My pen is my faithful companion. So I love that. Yeah. Now let's turn to singer and songwriter Adria Saad. I'm curious to hear for you what the practice of writing means to you in your life. Is it, how did you stumble upon this as a practice? What keeps you coming back to it? Well, so I started out writing prose and poetry really young. I didn't write a song till I was right, like right around 19 years old. And so it kind of, the songwriting practice started because I had, I've been a musician my whole life, Mm but it never really occurred to me to write much music. And then I, had like a religious experience when I was 19 and for whatever reason that inspired a lot of songs all of a sudden it was Mm kind of like out of nowhere but I had been writing you know short stories and poems and stuff since very very young and so I think I always had a writing practice but it didn't get to music till till I had this kind of religious awakening at the Mm -hmm. time and then all of a sudden I had a lot of stuff to say and a lot of stuff yeah. to sing. And so I started. So the, so actually pretty quickly I was like, I wonder what I can do to get better at this. 
And so I found this challenge online. I was like, right, the the internet was definitely around, but I was new to Google and stuff. But I remember Googling like writing challenge and it was like for 30 days every day, write a poem, start to finish, no matter how crappy you think it is, but it has to be done. And I did that with songs. So I did a 30 day songwriting challenge where I wrote a song every day for 30 days. Wow. And that was the way that I feel like I primed the pump of the soap. It was kind of like getting it flowing. Yes. And then I was just sort of off to the races from there. That's huge. Audrey's also writing a book. Let's hear how she gets all that writing in. So what does, given that you're moving from songwriting to book writing, and I know enough about this to know it's just really, really different. What does your writing life look like, practically speaking? Okay, I'm going to give, you want the real answer? I want the real answer. The real answer is... I'll be like, okay, I need I need to work on this chapter. I have, the cha- I have the outline. Here we go. And I'll sit down. And two hours later, I've written three sentences. And I'm like, maybe I should drink or smoke weed. Or like, <laughs> go look on Facebook Marketplace instead. Yeah, totally. And then I do that. And then I'll be like, at 3.30 in the afternoon, like vacuuming my living room. And I'm like, oh my God, I got it. You know? And yeah. then... It's just yes. like this, I'm hovering around it all the time yes. and like waiting for things to come to me. And sometimes they do. And my editor likes it. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing it, I guess. I mean, I don't feel like I'm doing it well. I feel like I'm fits and starts and rambling my way towards this book getting written. But lots of like, before COVID, it was lots of airport lounges with a yeah stiff drink yes crying because I'm like writing about like trauma and like being sexually abused and being like I'm like god this is awful yeah (laughs) like it (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've cried sitting like in an airplane with people so close to me and I'm sure they're like who's this woman who's just losing her mind but that's me man I'm totally the airport the airplane crying girl whether it's like songwriting or writing or, and I'm just like, listen, y'all, I got kids at home. <laughs> There's no other this time for my, me to do this. This is my private time. <laughs> this is my vacation. Just look the other way. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. It's too good. Oh, I didn't even have kids at home when I did that. But yeah, it is. It feels like something about being on an airplane is like permission to be offline for a while. There's something very magical about that. I love working on the plane. I've written lots of songs on planes. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I'll be like, in the I mean, I have like a laptop with some gear on it, and I can't like yeah. sing, you know, on the plane, but I can write in my head. And so I'll write lyrics, and then I'll be like, oh, and I'll open my recording program and put the beat down and do like, I mean, I've done, I've written some of my favorite songs that I've ever put out on a plane. There's one called Collateral Damage that came out with a band that I'm in that does dance music. And it's maybe one of my favorite things I've ever written. And it's another really like angsty, painful relationship song. And yeah, totally wrote it on an airplane. I mean, airplanes are my favorite. But I don't get to do that right now. So I'm like, well, dang it. I got to like figure out my new weird spot, you know. So you know what I do is I actually go to this restaurant um, in town that has like a community table in it. And they're open now. And they were like super great about all the sterility and like keeping everybody apart and I find for some reason like you we all want to be the kind of writer that's like 
in front of an open window at a beautiful desk, like yes. feeling the fresh air and listening to the birds. I talk about this all the time. But <laughs> yeah. I end up finding it's a lot easier for me to write when I have visual white noise and actual white, like restaurant clatter. It's like, yeah. it's a weird hack for me where I'm like, if it's too quiet, I almost can't think. And I have to be somewhere where not like loud things are happening, but where a lot of little things are happening. So I find that for me, and maybe that's why planes work. Maybe. Yeah. That's why airports work for me. So I've had to find my own like new spots in this weird era of like most places not being yeah, open. Yeah, not being open. And um, you're like, can you guys just come over to my house and just like make yeah, quiet noise in the front and, yard? Like, wash the dishes and <laughs> it's like, I don't know why that works for me, but it does. Know, it's so it's funny. So interesting. Something different for everyone. You know, I have a weird thing I do when I write where I will turn the same song on over and over again. I'll turn it on repeat. It's like it gets my brain in a Is groove. it the same song every time? No, it's different depending on what I'm writing. And like I have certain albums where like a song or two I'll pick out and it's like that's all I can listen to while I write the whole book. Wow. And then I almost can't go back and listen to those songs again because... Because it puts you in the stress of needing me, to write it or something. Totally. Like, yeah, oh, like we're going to get a draft done. <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. I can't listen to music and write at all. A lot of people Some say people that. can. It's yeah. so fascinating, the different kind of. For it me, is. it's that clattery. For some, it's like diner sounds. That's, yeah. that's the thing for me. I don't know what it is. So funny. So I need it. Oh my God. How have I never thought of just finding a YouTube video of diner like sounds? You could try <gasps> that. Yeah. You should just It's literally broadcast. to me right now. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to like turn, when we like leave this, I'm going to find some YouTube videos and try writing to them There tomorrow. needs to be a diner white noise app. Oh, or diner, I'm sure that I'm there, sure I'm something. sure that exists. Yeah. And I'm going to find it and it's going to help me finish this book. So I love it. <laughs> Like Audrey, Elise is a mom and a working professional, and yet she still finds the time to write. Let's hear how. I know you're a mom, and Mm -hmm. this is a selfish (laughs) question on my part. And also, I know so many of our listeners are also moms who look at the ideal of a writer escaping to the woods for a week to write a book (laughs) and immediately count themselves out because they're like, I can't do that. (laughs) So can you talk about what what the writing process looks like for you personally, like do is, are you writing on a computer? Are you writing on paper? Do you do it when your kids are at school? Are they going to school? Are you homeschooling? Like really practically, how do you fit it into your life? I might answer this question differently after COVID. It kind of things, obviously yeah. everyone giant, you know, stick in your spokes. Um, <laughs> so I used to romanticize that as well. Like I will be in a cabin on the cliffs above a beach. Like that's where (laughs) I will write the things. And I have three kids. We had three kids in three years. My husband just went through a massive career change. So, I mean, I feel like if anybody has like a, like, I don't have time. I'm like, I hear you. (laughs) I'm also a four on the Enneagram. So I feel a little bit like I lack the discipline necessarily to be like, I'm going to wake up at five in the morning. That's not, (laughs) I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't live like that. I don't create like that. I don't, I don't necessarily apply myself to the world in that way, but I do know that when inspiration strikes and if that means I am driving down the the freeway and I need to pull over, then I'm going to pull over and I'm going to write down that thought in my notes. I'm going to turn on a show for my kids and go over to my computer because it's, I can feel the creative energy is starting. So now I feel like I'm laying that kind of inspiration over 
the platform and the construct of what you gave me in the find your voice. So Hmm. it's a little, it's more fun. It's fun. I feel like I'm playing with it now rather than muscling it. Amazing. I love that. That's exactly what we hope to do for writers. So it's so fun to hear that it's It's true. I know. Yeah, it's it's working. (laughs) Yeah, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's real. I can't say enough about it. Okay. Last question. What is Mm. it that keeps you writing? Like all the time. I mean, I just know as writers, we want to give up so many times because it's, it is, uh, it's just, it can feel like a slog. So what is it that keeps coming back to it? Uh, Okay. Okay. So what came to my heart when you asked that is I just, I think about my daughter looking at me and because I'm writing a lot of my personal life and story. And she's, she's almost five. So there's only so many things that are one appropriate for her to know about my life right now. Mm -hmm. But two, I'm looking at her and I want, I want to, I want to do enough of my own work that you get to start so much farther ahead in life than me. And she is a, God, she's just a source. My daughter is like, she's a force. She's, Mm. uh, she's unbelievable. And when I look at her, I think I need these words to come into the world so that you understand your legacy as well. And why I fight so hard to give you a different story is I have to get my own straight. So she, I think, yeah, I, I do. I really do believe that she is a driving force for me to complete this work and let it be free. I love that. It's crazy how our kids give us courage, isn't it? I've, I never Mm -hmm. even imagined Mm -hmm. that that would be the case. And my daughter is still so tiny, but I feel like there's something about her being here in the world, whether it's just her little soul or Mm -hmm. feeling like that mother protectiveness rise up in me, but suddenly I'm like, I can do anything. (laughs) I'm not scared of anything. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the idea. Like you gave birth to her, but also to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Lastly, let's hear one more time from our PhD student and public health researcher, Rafiq. I'm curious what role writing has played in your life. So is it the idea to get these guys writing, was that something that felt personally important to you? Is writing something that you do regularly or what role does that play in your life? Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as an academic, the, the academic writing and, and writing style is, is very, very different. You know, there's somewhat of a, an encouragement to, um, you know, you're trying to speak um, broadly. And, and this is kind of, I don't think a great thing, but they, you know, they, they want you to speak as if you're, you know, this uh, independent, objective kind of sure, um, sure. <laughs> scholar. And I just, I don't really believe that that's a thing. I don't think that you can actually <laughs> ever do that. Yeah. You know, aside from some science fields, but especially with public health and when you're examining public health, what we call the social determinants of health, which is thinking about things like housing and uh, the economy and, and you know, uh, things like racism. When you're examining those things, uh, you are very much doing it um, from a particular social position. So I'm very cognizant and aware of when I do my writing um, that I am speaking from, you know, a, a place of many different privileges. I'm speaking as mm. uh, um, as a male. I'm speaking as someone um, who has not been incarcerated, um, someone who has not lived in extreme poverty. So when I write, I, I do want to bring those things into my writing. But in academic writing, there isn't as much flavor and character in it. 
but I, I do want to always challenge and push my field to think about how we we can be doing those things. And uh, you know, I aspire to be uh, an activist researcher. So I'm yes, I'm a researcher. I'm an academic, but I'm um, I'm very uh, aware of my uh, stances on some of these things. Um, and so I, I do want to speak out uh, when when I can. Um, and I want to do that in my writing, but mm-hmm. it's not as creative um, as the type of writing we were doing in this class. And honestly, I struggle with creative writing. I think because I've been doing the academic, very rigid type of writing for so long, uh, when yeah. I do get down to do more creative writing, um, I really struggle. Uh, it's, it's again, I'm just trying to convey an idea and a point in a clear way. Whereas, you know, instead of really trying to you know, bring someone into my creative headspace. I don't, I don't do that as much. Um, and so it was really, really refreshing to be in that space where I was listening to these guys, you know, say things in really creative and, and passionate and raw ways. The language they use is much different. Um, you know, there was, there's, there's cussing in the, in the songs and it's just much more sure. real. Um, you know, it's a type of realness that I wish I could bring to my academic writing because sometimes the things I'm writing about, it's frustrating. It's, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it makes me angry. It, um, mm. you know, it's very sad. And, uh, you know, I can't express that in, in the same ways that I can um, if I'm writing, you know, a hip hop song where I can just be completely honest in my expression, which is really a core uh, foundational principle of, of hip hop music is it's uh, supposed to be this pure, reflection of how you're feeling of what you're experiencing of what you're observing and so there's so much that we can learn from from that type of writing as well yeah you make a really great point the difference between creative and academic writing there's so many differences but really the beauty that expressive writing gives us is that is the ability to be honest about something and there's kind of like a I was just thinking about this over the weekend. There's such a relief in finally articulating or expressing something that you've been feeling or sensing, but you haven't been able to put words to. When you're finally able to put words to it, there's such a sense of relief to the to the extent that I think sometimes when we see someone else put words to something that we haven't been able to put words to, we experience the same sense of relief. And I think the story you told about the one man who wrote uh, you know, his song and read it aloud to the group. And the other man said, like, you reminded me of why I even started this path of sobriety. That That's an example of this, of how, like, how powerful it can be to put language to something that we're sensing or feeling. So really, it, it speaks to the weight of a creative writing practice in our lives, even if we're not publishing those words. The bottom line is you don't have to go to a cabin in the woods All you have to do is start writing, one word at a time. See where it takes you. Next week, come back to hear how all of this comes together in one woman's life. Listen in as I talk to my friend and someone you may also know, Ruthie Lindsay, about what a writing practice has done for her, including and especially heal her chronic pain. Imagine this, if writing is powerful enough to heal our chronic pain, Think of what else it could do for us. You aren't going to want to miss this next episode. Tune in with me again next week. If you're ready to implement a regular practice of writing in your own life, don't forget to pre-order our copy of my latest book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple daily habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. 
When you pre-order today, you'll not only get an immediate download of chapter one so you can start reading right away, you'll also get access to our pre-order bonus package, which is worth over $400. All you have to do is order the book wherever books are sold, enter your order number at thepowerofwritingitdown.com, and your pre-order bonuses will be delivered directly to you. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy writing.